This is an AMI podcast. Hey guys, it's Tuesday, it's the 28th of March 2023, and coming up we learn all about human wares designed for surface range. You're listening to Double Time, your daily accessible technology show. Now, here's your hosts, Stephen Scott and Sean Priest. Hi, Sean Priest. How are you today? Oh, I am beautiful. What a gorgeous Tuesday. I'm okay, mate. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, do you know, it's funny. Uh, someone said to me the other day, they said, why is it that you have this big, long introduction bit at the start of the show? And yet you really talk only for like a couple of seconds of it. It's almost like you kind of arrive late to the studio. You sort of jump into your seat and you think, right, here we go. We're off. Uh, and, and then you're late. Uh, Have we got well, a webcam in here? I think that would be the best. I, I used to, we, you know, I think back to the days, I used to do a morning show on a radio station and it started at 6am and I used to come into the building at f- 59 minutes and 30 seconds past five. That's ridiculous, sir. And like running into the studio and the newsreader would just sit tapping her watch as if, uh-huh. And uh, you're in trouble. Yeah, I mean, I used to take cakes and, and biscuits for her so that she would uh, ah, leave me alone. That's why she was stopping. Where's my cake? <laughs> <laughs> She's like, where's my cake? Exactly. And you were never late, were you? You were always on time, just and no more. Oh, well done. That's the way we work. Just enough to get by. <laughs> that's exactly it. So yeah, the way it works. Now the reason being is usually because what I'm doing. This sounds terrible. Is I'm searching for my phone and frantically checking the date before we start, because I'm paranoid I get it wrong. Oh, yes. Uh, a, a couple have slipped through, but, you know, it's fine. Either the date's wrong or the, the day's wrong. <laughs> I, I, was, I think we were 2022 for half the first part of this year. Ah, it's fine. No one notices. Exactly. No one cares. So no, here's the thing. Yeah. God bless you, Mr. F. Um, so <laughs> um, today we're going to be talking with Andrew Flatres. He's the Braille product manager from Humanware. Very excited to talk to him because, of course, this whole story about the designed for surface range. And I have to be honest, I was a bit confused by all this. I was. I actually said, isn't this confusing to people because it makes it sound like this Braille display is for surface devices only? Yeah. Well, we'll get into that today. Okay. And and also a really interesting discussion as well about the, the, the different Braille devices that are out there and what they're used for. Because I think that, you know, with Reading the Optima Braille. coming along, yeah, thanks. Um, <laughs> the the Optima, I'm going to move on from that comment, that ridiculous <laughs> remark, which is just intended to throw me off, um, which it has. So the Optima Sorry, Braille laptop, uh, which, of course, a lot of people are excited by. Um, when you say a lot of people, you mean you? Me yes. mainly, yes. Uh, but a lot of other people are excited. I'm not no, the only I one. No, um, it's true. But, you know, th- this is a very exciting product. And I think for a lot of people, maybe we're wondering how this fits in to the market. Now, you can argue it doesn't matter, right? It's another product. It's a choice like everything else. So, But, you know, I, I can th- go back to this thing about education. You know, if you're a kid learning at school who's blind, is it best to learn on something like this or learn on something like the Braille Note Touch? You know, I don't know. And this is where we get into this really interesting mm. conversation about the types of devices and why. Some are better for education, some are better for the workplace. workplace. So we shall get into that uh, a bit later, Andrew Flatres joining us a bit later. I actually did the interview last week, so we'll give you a chance to hear that today. And um, Sean could w- make it again. I because, wasn't there. You know, you, you can't be bothered anymore. 
How I dare you? I'm, interest in this. I'm falling to bits. I'm, I'm trying to stay alive here. I don't Every know. Every time going. I do an interview now, I've got to say, sure, Sean would be with us. But sadly, another emer- medical emergency has uh, taken his time. I also, I also <sighs> am starting to use the excuse with you, which is, you know yes. what? Uh, you know, the NHS is so bad in this country that you know, if you get a doctor's appointment, you really should take it because <laughs> it might be the only one you'll ever get. No. I rang my taxi company today. This is how bad it is. I said, hey, can I book a taxi, please? And they said, dentist or doctors? I said, okay. Wow. <laughs> they know they you. Know. Oh, 2023. Oh, what a terrible year so far. But, oh, well, it's all going to be good, I'm it's, sure. It's also really bad now when I call my local Chinese restaurant. They say, hi, Stephen. I mean, honestly, they literally answer. Oh, yeah, well, I hi, know. Stephen. I've been there. My local fast uh, chicken place, fast food chicken place, used to call me Mr. Greedy. I used to walk in and they'd say, here's Mr. Greedy. I mean, that that tells you something. It says a lot, doesn't it? <laughs> I mean, it's not inaccurate. You've you got to be honest. It's not inaccurate. No, yeah, nicknames have a nugget of truth. Yeah, chicken exactly. nugget. Yeah, <laughs> very good. Uh, Thank well, you. look, uh, speaking of the Optima Braille laptop, I do have some breaking news on this. Oh, please. Wait for it. Wait for it. Breaking news. Breaking news. I faded it up a bit for you so you didn't so get that loud boom at the beginning. Listen, yeah, you, what, you faded it up so I didn't get it? No, I faded it up so that it would start slowly for you and it wouldn't oh, oh, destroy your little ears. Thank you, thank you. So Breaking kind. news. Okay, go on. Lay well, it on me. We're starting to get a sense of how this has been created. Because you and I had had this chat before, and funnily enough, the name, the company name Framework came up way back at the beginning when we heard oh, about this. Have we been accidentally uh, perceptive? I think, I think very much so, yes. <laughs> very accidental. But... It was interesting. So as you know, uh, Carrie Morales, Carrie on Accessibility as she is online. Um, I've been following her. She's been following us and we've been following each other. It's, it's very beautiful. And um, we were chatting about <laughs> we were chatting about all kinds of interesting things with Optima. And she pointed me towards this uh, event, which I'm, I think happened yesterday, where there was an event where Framework was talking about what they call the next level. Now, Framework, for those that don't know, is a company that are developing hardware that is modular and modular built. So you could have a laptop and say, for example, the screen stopped working, you could take the screen off and replace it. If the keyboard stops working, you can take the keyboard out and replace it. It's to move away from the idea of, you know, once you've bought this thing, once you've bought whatever computer it is, when something goes wrong with it, you got to get rid of the whole thing. You know, which which obviously is not great for the planet, right? If we can just fix the thing that's wrong with it. Oh, like you care. Move on. Of course I don't. I'm not interested in that. I'm only interested in the stuff it makes. But this is really interesting because Framework at the Next Level event mentioned the Optima. (gasps) Did they? Wow, this is so interesting because I saw uh, the, the tech president of Canada, who is, of course, Linus Sebastian of Linus Tech tips fame mm. he he is an investor in framework and he did a a video recently about the changes that are coming along to framework and one that really caught my eye and, and really made me think it's got to be something to do with this braille display was the ability to like remove the numpad and move it to the left instead of the right and shift the keyboard to the right not only that on a laptop obviously move the trackpad around as well and i thought what well, for no other reason, yeah, of course it's cool, uh, but the ability for uh, people with some sort of disability or to to move it around to that that extent is really cool. Yeah. But then I start I started thinking, well, hang on, if you can do that, 
there's nothing actually to stop framework from having a braille display in there. And I thought it's got to have something to do with this other device. It has to, and it seems like I was right. Well done, me. Well, congratulations, because you're right. Well, at their 2023 launch event, the Framework Next Level event, we're going to play a little clip of this in, because this is the bit where they actually refer specifically to the Optima. Let's listen in. We don't think of the Framework laptop as our product. We think of it as your product. We're just here to build an ecosystem around it for you. And we've opened this ecosystem up to the community as well with open source documentation and reference designs. The results have been beyond anything we could have expected. We've seen developers and creators make incredible projects and products using framework modules. To pick a few, Peng Chen developed a round terminal with a framework laptop mainboard inside. Richard Sutherland created this insanely cool cyber deck that's actually handheld and portable. And just last week, a company called Orbit Research released a Braille laptop that's powered by a Framework laptop mainboard. We have a demo of this later. It is just totally mind-blowing. So there you go. So Orbit gets a name check. It's using Framework. That is how it's built. And that answers a lot of the questions we had around how this modularity actually works. Now we know these guys are behind it. It's kind of making this even more exciting. Oh, this is fantastic. And it also gives us an opportunity, like we said, I wonder if I could get one without a Braille display. Well, Uh yes, you can. You can just get a framework laptop. And the other announcement was that this is now supporting AMD processors as well, not just Intel. Uh, It will support Intel 13th gen CPUs as well. The ability to remove the motherboard, if you want to upgrade, to remove the motherboard. And they even supply a separate case. So if you upgrade your laptop later on to a, you know, a support new features or whatever, you don't just throw that old motherboard away. You can put that and have it as a separate media computer or whatever you want. The the, the possibilities are endless. And the thing uh, which made us so interested in the Optima in the first place is that this is cutting edge. This is bleeding edge technology as well. Yeah. And the ability to customize those ports. I mean, the latest, uh, so there's a 13-inch framework and there's a 16-inch framework. And in the 16-inch, you now have the opportunity to insert and swap out graphics cards as well for gaming PCs. Now, obviously, maybe not as much interest to us, but that ability to access the PCI lanes also means you could put in two SSDs in there or you know anything, really. The possibilities when it comes to customization is amazing. And as I said, the thing that really stood out to me, though, was the ability to customize the keyboard to that extent with the numpad moving around and the trackpad. Absolutely fantastic. I'm excited by this now. Well, I'll be honest, I often thought that Framework was about the whole repairability thing. And I guess it is. That is part of its its USB, is that you can repair a laptop. But what we're seeing here is an evolution in that, where it's a case of, okay, yes, you can repair your computer. That's very much what it's about. But it's also about being able to create new ideas, new potential, new devices, uh, and then have those be modular as well. I mean, the potential here is massive for the company. But, you know, the fact that, again, blind people in at the, the beginning of all this is incredible. Now, we have to say this is down to orbit research, really, seeing the potential here in framework and being able to to utilize it. I guess what I'm trying to figure out is, you know, how does that work? Because if they're, who's creating the modules? Is it Framework that builds that? And because I'm thinking about the Braille aspect, I can understand the keyboard, I can understand the framework of the computer, but how does the Braille display get built? Who's building that? 
Yeah, exactly. How do the modules themselves, so the framework modules, how are they connected? You know, when you unslot something and plug something back in, how what's the connection on there? Because you're trying to think, well, who's supplying those Braille displays and are they customising the connector somewhere? Because it's not just going to be a coiled-up USB cable in there, no. you know, sellotape to the bottom that somehow fits into a USB port in the chassis. No, it's, it's not, not a Braille display from 20 years ago. No, no, it's, that's, that's not how it works. So they were built. <laughs> yeah. So some either you know they're customized. Maybe they're putting them in some sort of housing into the module and the module itself. I have no idea, but it's really interesting tech. But it does go to show. And I actually orbit research, as we said before, a disruptor and do fantastic work. But also kudos to framework because they're not closing this off. They're not making all this technology proprietary. Mm, no, This is open source. So like I mentioned before, and I keep going on about it, but it's exciting. The, the graphics card module and being able to swap that in and out, they could have easily said, right, that's ours. If you want to use that, any other, you know, Dell, Asus, Acer, whoever want to use that on your laptops, you've got to pay us a licensing fee. They haven't. They made it completely open source. So any laptop company can use that and it's the same for all those module connections so this really could change you know the future and the look of laptops this is a huge deal god can you imagine we get the hackintoshes back that would be cool we could put all the mac stuff remember those days i used to i, I, I remember i remember the days when they used to sell those in computer magazines well they're not not in computer magazines but through a couple of companies magazines. tried it and they, they yeah they went the far as having adverts and oh, you yeah. could buy them but uh apple soon um yeah, stomp that out. And I can you can totally oh, understand totally. why. But, but it was interesting because they were selling like any other computer in the magazines. I remember uh, there was a magazine here called, was it Computer Shopper at the time? And oh, that was a massive magazine, like 50% adverts, yes. Uh, yeah, that's right. And it, and it was a huge magazine. It was like it a was. big catalogue of, of ads. And um, I remember there was a company called Umax, which U-M-A-X, and I remember that was the company. I remember thinking I was going to get one of those at one time because we were looking to get a Mac. And uh, and I, <laughs> yeah. I just liked the idea. I'm so glad I didn't because, you know, they weren't exactly supported in any way, really. But, you know, it just shows you how early in the day all this technology was. And it kind of feels like we're back there. You know, we've had a lot of really interesting, converse, really interesting conversations around AI. Even on the hardware front now, the conversation's interesting about where things are going, the potential. And this, I think, is a really forward-thinking company who yep. are seeing, you know, the idea of, you know, we can continually improve our systems without having to throw them all out and start again. There is a point that comes, even I will admit, there is a point that comes when, you know, you think to yourself, really, I need to throw this computer away, this, this perfectly fine working computer. I've got to throw it away to get the better one. Why can't I just change what's inside it? And that's one thing that Apple, I think, could really be smart with. They go on about their environmental responsibility. Mm -hmm. And I know they do, you know, obviously take back equipment and they will, you know, do what they do with it to either recycle what they can or whatever else. But to have a modular computer, the Mac modular, there you go. There's your brand name. Um, (laughs) The Mac mod. The Mac mod. (laughs) That's that's us back to the Hackintosh again. You know, that, that would be a smart move for a company like that. Of course it was. But is anyone else going to do that? They've had all the, the time in the world, every other company. It's Framework that's come along and done this. And they've took the gamble here. They, I mean, it's so hard for a new company to take off. But they've took the gamble. And it, it seems to be paying off. I, the only thing is, I don't know the price of Frameworks. I don't know if they're overly... Um, more expensive than a standard laptop at the same spec. I honestly don't know at the minute. But the point is, it just seems like this is a good company trying to do good things. And it all comes from that right to repair movement. 
which if, if anyone followed that at the time when they were doing the, you know, the hearings about this and big tech companies and lobbyists were coming up and giving their reasons why it's not a good idea to allow people to repair and they shouldn't allow parts to be made public. It was absolute nonsense, right? There is absolutely no reason other than to you know keep their profit margin in. And I think people have seen past that and this is a great move towards it. I'm, I am excited by this. It's fantastic. And I wonder if that's what's going to drive the cost down of this Optima Brill laptop. Because obviously the cost, any cost, any major cost inside that or any Brill display is the Brill display itself. That is the OLED screen in any Brill laptop or any Brill display, right? Because yeah, that's where well, the cost of money is. More like five OLED screens, but yes. yes well, that's true, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, that's that's the problem there. But I'll be really interested to see pricing on this. And I guess that one of the benefits of having announced it and then, you know, it coming out hopefully in spring next year will be that we will get a chance to see some updates. And I imagine from the prototype, they're going to have taken away a lot of feedback from CSUN. And, you know, I, I hope that this is on show at Site Village. I don't know if it will be. I would love to see this at, at Site Village to see if they're maybe going to do the tour to essentially see if they can get as much feedback from, from us mm-hmm. as possible. They kind of need to get it in the hands of some blind people to play with and, you know, really I- figure out the faults. I hope they they keep that modular aspect to it as well. well as I think in, they will. I think that's I think that's a major selling point. But they've obviously had to create their own chassis for uh, you know the space for the braille display in there. Yeah. So I'm hoping they still keep in those you know, the ability. For example, I I don't want uh, a USB A port. I want two USB Cs and four 3.5 headphone jacks. I don't know why you would, <laughs> but you can. You can do that, and that's the point. And I think that's a, that's also a great selling point to this. So I hope so. It yeah. sounds so cool. Okay, let's get some emails. We get lots of your feedback. Greg, our good old friend, Pennsylvania Greg, back in touch again. Email uh, Emails, as always, read by Laura. Dear Tappers, when it comes to Soundscape being discontinued and whether it was lack of feedback or their own internal data on its usage... I'd bet on a combination of both and would expect that usage of the app was very low during pandemic lockdown. Mm. Even without lockdown, most of us don't use GPS apps every day, do we? At least I don't. I don't need it on familiar routes. I use GPS when travelling to new places on my own. As far as blaming Microsoft, they provided the service free of charge and they are a for-profit company. Don't they deserve thanks for developing this very useful tool and making it available for free to any developer who wishes to use it? If the usage is truly worth the maintenance costs, it's very likely to emerge as part of another GPS app in the future. Regards, Greg in Pennsylvania. Well done, Greg. I couldn't agree more. Absolutely. I think you're absolutely right on that. Totally agree. I think, you know, everything he says about, you know, the fact they've made this available, the fact they've continued. I think that's the thing for me. They didn't just shelve the project and say, that's it, it's done, we're out. I, I would be really annoyed at that. But the fact is they continued it. They kept it going. That's a really good point about lockdown, though. That's a really interesting point. This is a navigation uh, app, right? Yes, and, yes, and yes. And if it's feeding then, off information and all the rest, could it be that just the... I'm sorry, I find that feedback, though. I do find that feedback reasoning. I, I just don't understand. It's never going to be a huge app because of who it's aimed at, the demographic of it. Mm. So it's never going to be a hugely popular app anyway. But it's, it's one of those apps that you know I sort of... Maybe I'm wrong to to feel like it's something that Microsoft should should almost <laughs> support anyway. Do you know what I mean? Just because of the, it, it's a great app and it's very useful. So just for that reason, um, I think it should survive. I, I, I am still slightly annoyed that it's disappearing, and I, I would 
I would like to know why. Well, I would we like to yes. reach out to Microsoft, and they did come back to me today and tell me that they will not be commenting on this. Ah, oh, see, that no, that, that so annoys me. They're not, why they're not, not discussing it at the moment. Well, look, I, I think if I'm honest, it's probably because there's so many factors involved in it. I, I don't know. I think, I think like it's, what? it's a combination of everything. It's a combination of the reality we're now in. It's a combination of the possibly the feedback thing, although I think that's very small in relation to the whole problem. I think ultimately money is where, where it's at. Um, maybe it was just a project that was only intended to be available for a couple then of years. Then tell and us. That was it. We keep saying that Apple are so secretive and it, it does them a disservice. And we keep play, um, you know, saying how great Microsoft accessibility have been. And I still feel that way. Yeah, I'm sorry. There, there needs to be a reason for this. This, as a community, does impact us because this is incredibly popular. And I can't find a replacement that does something like-to-like in feature I think, set. I think if you wait long enough, you'll get it. Because I yes, think of course. It's, it's yes, uh, and, and I did give them props for that when we talked about this last time. They were making it open source. It was a, a great move. And is that but, not better? Is that not better than holding on to it and then just killing it off? Well, let's see what happens. They could, I mean, they could maintain I, it. Well, maybe, yes. I, I don't know. But I, I still think we... I think we're deserving a reason for why it's, it's funny, gone it's away. The, it's the exact opposite of something Apple would do. Apple would buy the company and be like, oh, okay, it's ours now. And, you know, suddenly As it's they did with Siri. And, yes. Yeah, well, that's right. And many <laughs> other things. Many, many other things. Yeah. Right, let's get another message. Jeff apparently loves his Amazon Echo. Hello, Stephen, Sean and Laura. That piece of kit for the Fire TV Stick 4K Max was Amazon Ethernet adapter for Amazon Fire TV devices. It plugs oh. into the port on the TV stick 4K Max and has a little box that splits the signal into the same port it plugs into as well as an Ethernet port. Mm. We too have a TV in the family room. My wife still has some vision, so I think of it as her TV. I sometimes just automatically turn on the TV when I want to watch something. I do have an Apple TV 4K in the room as well. It is connected to the TV with an HDMI cord. It is also connected to an Amazon Echo speaker, fourth generation, via Bluetooth. If I tell the Echo to connect, it takes over the audio output from the Apple TV 4K. So I do have to remember to tell it to disconnect or it will keep the Apple TV sound from coming across the TV next time. Once I've figured out that this is how it operates, I set up another A-Lady and Apple TV 4K in my bedroom to give me the same capability. The Apple TV has a reasonable podcast app so I can watch the same stuff in the bedroom or listen to music or podcasts using the Apple TV 4K. Of course, due to copyright restrictions, I had to buy a dummy HDMI plug to make the Apple TV think a screen was connected. So, no screen evolved at all. The Echo speaker needs to be a fourth gen or newer. I wasn't able to get my older Echo speaker to connect the same way. That might be solvable in the Amazon A-Lady app on the iPhone or on the internet, though I have not had good luck with accessibility on the internet-based A-Lady app. I like using the very nice remote that comes with the Apple TV 4K to select a particular podcast or whatever. I can use the play pause button if I want to temporarily stop a program and resume it later without having to say anything to the A-Lady speaker when my wife is sleeping. Yes, I am a night owl. That screen in the family room is the only one we have. We decided not to have one on our main floor where the kitchen, dining room and living room are all one space. Open concept. And it is better for a conversation that there is no TV for people to turn on and disrupt everything. We do have Echo Studio speakers in that space paired as a stereo pair. That is more than enough, and when nobody is over visiting, one can listen to music or whatever that way. I think the studio speakers by Amazon are great and sound really terrific in a normal room, but when in a combined space like this, they just echo too much. 
We use an echo input in one room to connect to an older speaker so that it has the functions of an A-Lady. I think Amazon stopped making the echo input device, but they can be found on eBay. That is where I found mine and for less than original price. The echo input was a little round flat disc looking thing with a power cord and a spot to plug in a 1/8 inch headphone style plug. Using adapter cords, you can then run that analog output to whatever you want. Headphones or split out to RCA plugs for the stereo. It has the mics and all the features of an A-Lady, but with no speaker on itself. I have pretty much tried all the Echo devices they came up with. I have the Echo Flex Direct plug-in speakers in my bathrooms. They have a USB-A port on the bottom and they make nightlight attachments that plug into the USB port and they can be controlled by the A-Lady app for timing and can be set to any color. They made an Amazon Auto device that I tried in my work truck, but it is really just an oddly shaped little box that you have to plug into your phone and connect to the car stereo, and it does give the A-Lady functions, but you've got to disconnect all that if you need to keep your phone with you and reconnect it when you get back in the car. It was more trouble than it was worth, and my son found the A-Lady voice distracting while he was driving. I stopped using it at that point. He'd rather hear music from XM. I know that sound quality isn't the greatest either, but in the truck you really can't tell so much. Thanks for reading my rambling inventory on how I became an Amazon device sucker. I mean, steadfast supporter. Thanks again, <laughs> Jeff Armstrong. There you go. Wow. I love nice. giving people setups. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's really interesting because there's some things there you don't even think about. I, I just want to go back to HDMI um, dummy ports or dummy dongles, really. Mm. You recently had to do something with that on your computer, didn't you? That was a cool little workaround. Did we talk about that already? I don't know if we did. No, I, I use the WhatsApp app, right? I've been talking about that a lot on the PC. And um, yeah, I had a real problem with whenever the screen lid was closed, um, the computer was still on. I mean, I'd set it so that the power even, you know, the power would, wouldn't go off. In fact, as soon as you close the lid, nothing would happen. Clearly something was happening to the resolution on the screen. And it was causing, for some reason, the WhatsApp app to just not work. I thought maybe it had minimised or maybe the window size had changed, so I'd made sure it was maximised. Nothing changed. It would not read the screen until I opened up the lid. And uh, even if I had, I mean, I had screen curtain on. Um, yeah. But it didn't that didn't. But it would difference. read other apps that were still running alongside it. Yeah, it's just WhatsApp would disappear. So then I got this, I think it was you that said to me, hey, why don't you try the HDMI dummy? And I did. And it's fine ever since. Don't know why. Don't know what that's about. But yeah, all of a sudden it works. So maybe the resolution's changing when it's... I mean, it is connected to a docking station, so maybe there's something to do with that. No, I don't think so, because our good friend Robin Christopherson, who I believe came up with the answer with the HDMI um, oh, right. dummy okay. dongle. Yeah, of course it was Robin, yeah. It was Robin that was using it. So um, yeah, I just thought that was uh, a side note. But I, I, mm. yeah, I do love hearing about your setup, so thank you for that. And it's a really interesting point. Um, I find it slightly ironic that the echoes were slightly too echoey, but, uh, but I think that's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. It's a bit of a problem. I must. I wasn't overly keen on the audio from them, if I'm honest. I didn't love them, but um... oh, I loved them until I got my HomePods. Yeah, I was listening to Nazareth last. You know how I know it's they're they're great speakers is because yesterday, last night, me and my partner just sat there and we played like a complete album, mm. and she was into it as much as I would. It was they just sound so. So good. The studio sounded great, but um, I think the HomePods, well, they definitely do have it. I, I don't have time to get into it today, but there was an article I read at the weekend, uh, which was all about speakers. And there was a pair of speakers, and I think they were like $160,000. And 
someone said these were just the most incredible. And now you'd think for 160,000 they would be. Um, yes. But apparently it was like you were swimming in sound, was how they put it. It was as if ah. it was a river flowing around you, and that nice. was the audio. I, I kind of want to try that. I want to know what that feels like. That sounds incredible. You got a credit card? Well, do you know the best laugh is in the article that if you says, you know, you can send them back. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah that's right, because I've got $160,000 just sitting around. No problem at all. Wow. Wow. Yeah, that'll be right. Um, listen, uh, stick around. We're going to be uh, joined by Andrew Flatres next. He's going to be telling us all about humanware and their design for surface range and lots more conversation around Braille and Braille devices. That coming up. Plus, we'll get his views on the Optima Braille laptop. Oh, yes. We'll get humanware's take on that. That's next on Double Tap. Love Double Tap? Did you know we're on the... Follow Double Tap on social media at Double Tap On Air and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts and email us feedback at doubletaponair.com. We'll be right back. This is Double Tap. Now, back to the show. And today on the show, I give you the chance to hear Andrew Flatres, who is the Braille Product Manager at HumanWare, talking to me about the new certification from Microsoft called Designed for Surface, which is a really interesting certification. We're going to find out about the three distinct Braille displays that have got this certification and why. And we're also going to get into a really interesting conversation as well around uh, the different types of uh, devices out there, including, of course, the news of the Optima, which has uh, sparked a lot of interest in the community. How does that compare to their own products, and why would you choose one over the other? I had a really interesting chat with Andrew, who first off explained to us a little bit more about this new Designed for Surface certification. The Designed for Surface team were looking for assistive technology products that would really um, expand their product portfolio to allow um, to allow anyone that really needs assistive technology to expand their own ecosystem to have products that are catered for or tested fully with their own products. Um, so all of the Surface products that are available, and there's, there's quite a few of them, um, the idea is that they'll test your technologies against their own technologies. So the Braille displays that we have on the program, so this is the Mantis Q4D, the BI40X and the BI20X, we had to go through various different testing stages to get it approved. And so what it actually kind of means is that it's, it, you know, it's recognized as an inclusive technology in their design for surface program. Uh, that's kind of what it is <laughs> in a nutshell, really. Um, it just allows a better experience for someone who has a design for surface device uh, to choose a humanware braille display. So just to be absolutely clear, because there was a little bit of confusion at the beginning of this, does that mean that these Braille displays only perform best with Surface computers? Or is it across the Microsoft, essentially across Microsoft Windows on any machine? Is it, is it kind of creating a standard that, yes, works well with Surface, but also applies across the board to, say, a Dell computer or a Lenovo computer, that kind of thing? Uh, well, this is really applies only to the Design for Surface program. So it's a it's a program that they have accessories on their catalog. So if you was to go and search for a Design for Surface device, it lists also some accessories that work um, work well, work seamlessly with with that particular um, you know, program or computer. So it's really a recommended device 
that Microsoft recommend because they've tested the product in in alignment with their own um, kind of technical technicalities, you know, making sure that it, the drivers are well supported, making sure there's no problems that it's going to cause. So really, it's especially down to the Design for Surface program. And you can actually look a bit more information up about their Design for Surface program uh, and their catalogs on their website. Right. So this is OK. So just to, again, just be, bring some clarity for the audience on this. This is about Surface machines, Surface laptops, Surface devices, the Surface Pro, for example, that kind of thing. Correct. Uh, this, this is about that. It's not about Microsoft Windows in itself. You know, your, your products work across the board anyway, right? But in this exactly. particular classification, we're just talking about Surface. Exactly right. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. The Windows 11 update has also introduced additional enhancements within their own ecosystem. So Narrator now uh, from Windows 11 does support these new note takers uh, or supports the new brow displays of the Mantis Q40 and Brilliant BIX. But the design for Surface program is it's really the calibration not only provides the kind of equal access to common tools for people living with visual impairment, but it's really a way of ensuring that the these Braille displays are a great accessory if you have a design for Surface device. And let's talk about those Braille displays. So obviously the, the range that you have at HumanWare is, is one which is known worldwide. It is very high functioning, very high power system used in education and in the workplace. These are products that you, I guess, are very proud of and you have a range of them. So maybe let's talk through these three specific Braille displays that are under this design for Surface. Can you maybe just give us a bit more detail on each one and, and what's unique about them? Sure. Okay. Well, we have the, we'll start off with the, the Brilliant BIX series and there's two um, Braille displays in this series. It's the Brilliant BI 40X and a Brilliant BI 20X. So let's, let's go to the 40X. So the 40X meaning that it's got a 40 cell display. And what's unique about this display is it has Bluetooth 5. So when we looked at creating a new Braille display, we wanted to make sure we tackle some of those barriers that people were experiencing from our predecessor displays. And one of the biggest issues was connectivity, because fundamentally these displays, they need to connect to multiple different mainstream devices, whether it be a computer or a mobile device. So that was really important in our view. So what we did is we integrated Bluetooth 5 technology to allow better connectivity. So it's going to be working great uh, from a further distance, but also a more solid and stable connection utilizing Bluetooth 5. Um, So the Braille displays can connect via Bluetooth uh, up to five devices, and we can also plug in a USB-C and plug into your devices that way as well for your Braille terminal. And of course, use it with all your common screen readers today. So narrator, voiceover, um, and of course, the uh, JAWS and NVIDIA and so on. Um, but of course, then there's the second piece of that is the intelligence. And having Braille displays for many, many years, um, you know, one of the most common questions was that the users wanted to do more, right? They They want to do more productive things. And sometimes there's a lot of barriers still when you're using a... Uh, a braille display and a screen reader there's a lot of navigating around you know uh, what i like to say is it's usable but sorry it's accessible but not usable in some cases and so what we like to do at humanware is to make things more usable so that's why we introduce a lot more intelligence into our displays so we now have a note taker built in 
So that will allow you to open up the common file formats of TXT, DOCX and PDF. You can create documents as well. And it has an onboard Braille translation tool as well. So whatever you write, it, it, it also converts from Braille to print and vice versa. So that's one part. Um, the other piece that is re what's really unique is the connectivity to libraries. So we now have a way that we have onboard library access to Bookshare, NFB Newsline, uh, and other libraries, and more libraries will come. Um, so in the UK, for example, the RNIB library is something that we are working towards. Again, it's just breaking down that barrier to allowing someone to easily download a book and read a book. Whereas if you start using a Braille display with an app, there's so many different hurdles that you need to get through, right? There's so many different swipes or different shortcuts that you need to get to. So we'd like to make it a, a more of a seamless experience to, to get contents in that way. Um, so we have Braille Terminal, uh, which is used to connect to your host computers and, and uh, mobile devices. We have onboard intelligence, your note taking, uh, you're downloading the books. We have a calculator. Um, so that's kind of where we are with with the intelligence side of things and we're looking to expand on that we want to bring in more more kind of enhancements features for your productivity needs i would say in a nutshell it's a bit like a hybrid approach so it's a hybrid from a braille display to a note taker we know that there's many users out there that don't really want to buy and invest in a full-on note taker but they still want to have braille at their, their fingertip and have some internal functionality and that's what the brailleian x gives you so the 20X um, is very similar to the 40. It doesn't have Bluetooth 5, however, it does have Bluetooth 4.2. It does have SD card capabilities, USB, onboard storage again, so identical to the, to the 40X, uh, but just in a smaller scale. So it's just in a 20 cell, uh, really unique uh, device that allows you to connect to libraries on the go and uh, small enough to kind of fit in your kind of suit jacket or, or, a, or a bag. Um, but nevertheless, really encouraging users to use Braille on the go at all times. So that's your kind of brand new BIX series. Uh, and then, of course, we cross over to the Mantis Q40, which is a really great product, uh, unique product indeed, because it's it's the only Braille display that has an onboard QWERTY keyboard and Braille display together. And this is an APH product, American Printing Houses product, but it's manufactured by Humanware and distributed by Humanware internationally. What's great about this, and it's, it's really taken off, I have to say, and we're now starting to see many displays, note takers getting into the QWERTY space, is if you think about when we're using Braille displays now or, or previously, predominantly when you're using a computer, many users were reaching over the Braille keyboard to use the QWERTY keys, right? But then... You know, you're, not, you're therefore not using the, Braille, the onboard Braille keyboard or you're just kind of reaching over the top. So now instead, you can close up your laptop, put it in your um, cupboard for that matter, providing it's on, you can sit, relax, and have your QWERTY keyboard and Braille display straight there in front of you. So ergonomically, it's so much better. And you can, again, you can work from a distance with Bluetooth 4.2 or you can use the USB-C. Um, and again, these do have onboard... Uh, onboard capabilities similar to the Brainiac BIX. So again, you have note-taking capabilities. Uh, you can download books, and um, you have an onboard calculator. So same functionality as the Brainiac BIX, but more in a QWERTY environment. 
And I guess because of the nature of these devices, they are upgradable as you go along. Yeah, exactly. That's one of the things that we wanted to, to add when we started to design our products. We wanted to make sure that they are future-proof. And, and in some cases, um, Steve, it's really difficult. You know, when we when we deal with mainstream technology, you know, such as Android devices, if you kind of base your products around on an Android platform, it's very difficult to keep up with that re- uh, release cycle that they have. Um, but the devices like our Braille displays that are built around Linux and are more in a closed environment, um, it, it, it does allow us to control more, allows us to really kind of um, create, be more creative without restrictions. And with the hardware in mind, we wanted to make sure that it's as future-proof as we could get. Because, you know, humanware, we're only a small organization. We don't have access to all these chips and components like the big players in this field. Um, but nevertheless, we wanted to really try and extend the lifespan of this product. One other unique point as well is that we've just recently had uh, the text-to-speech engine on our Braille displays. So the Brainlink BI 40X and 20X also now inherits text-to-speech. The Mantis Q40, however, does not. So currently that does not support text-to-speech, but the, the Brainlink BI 40 and 20, they have speech capabilities with uh, speakers, onboard speakers, and of course an audio jack. All of these features will, of course, be updatable. So if you do have um, a Brilliant 40X and you haven't got speech, um, then by all means, check for an update. You'll be able to update that free of charge and uh, you'll have text-to-speech enabled. What about the Mantis Q40? Is it possible to bring in text-to-speech? I mean, is there a headphone jack on there? There's no hardware. There's no internal hardware for speech. There's no uh, speaker or there's no audio jack. This has been a big question. I have to say a lot of the feedback that we are getting is, oh, it'd be great if we have some speech on the Mantis. It is something we're looking into, Steve, definitely. Um, there, There are alternative ways. So one of the alternative ways to get speech would be to connect a Bluetooth headset, for example, or a Bluetooth speaker. Um, that way we could have the text-to-speech engine, but it would mean having a, a Bluetooth headset involved. Is the technology inside it capable of it in the same way that it is with the BI range that could be upgraded to that? It, it has the audio capabilities to, like, to transfer the audio, but it would be through the protocol of Bluetooth. There, there wouldn't be any other means, so we can't have an audio jack or we can't um, have speakers just added on. Uh, that that hardware is not there. So the only method would be to transfer the audio through through the Bluetooth channel. Now, obviously, we've heard recently about Orbit Research and their big announcement about the Optima, which has, has caught a lot of attention, including mine, I must admit. And it seems a device very similar to, if it's fair to say, the Mantis Q40 in design. It's got the QWERTY keyboard, it's got the 40-cell display. I haven't had hands-on yet, so I don't know what this looks like. But I've, from what I'm hearing, it sounds like a similar style device obviously the difference being this is a whole computer built in how do you feel about that at humanware when you when you hear about that kind of not adoption but you know essentially taking inspiration of of something like the mantis i imagine well firstly it's it's great that we're seeing loads of new products coming into the field i mean i've just come back from the csun um csun visit and it's great to see so much new brow technology out there new brow products um, I don't think we've ever been in a in a, such a great space now with all these available choices. And that's really good from a competitive standpoint as well. Um, we always want to have the better product. We always want users to use humware products. My my kind of sound there is I'm glad that there's so much Brow products out there and people are using Brow. Um, that's, that's really the case. So looking at these new products coming in, it's interesting that people are now going towards or organizations are going towards QWERTY. 
there is some differences between this, and I, I was fortunate to have my hands on the device. So it is a full-on Windows note taker um, kind of device. And based on being on the Windows environment and the processor that, that they're using, it does create thickness and weight. Okay, so it's not as a slim profile as the Mantis Q40. Um, you know, when we look at what the Mantis Q40 is, it's predominantly a Braille display. Uh, with onboard capabilities being the second option. With the, the new product that's coming out from the Orbit, it's more of a note taker. It's a Windows note taker with QWERTY keys. So uh, on top of that, then you're just going to be using NVDA or a screen reader of your choice. Um, so it does offer more of a computer environment, um, but of course it comes with the thickness and the weight uh, that you will have but it's it's nevertheless it's good it's really good to to have these devices come into play um i like the fact that they're thinking of customizable you know making it customizable which are i still challenge that right when you look at production point of view you've got to have a lot of SKU codes available uh but nevertheless they're, they're thinking outside the box which is great and um you know if they're, what they're doing is is fantastic and uh you know i i, I look forward to seeing it when it comes uh, available, I believe it's next year. They're saying 2024. Yeah, um, so we'll, we'll see what happens there. But I, I kind of feel that it's on the similar path as what the L Brow was back then. You know, with the L Brow having a Braille display, you then put onto docking station, and then you just rely on a screen reader. So that was kind of where I think that's going towards, where the Mantis is kind of you know more optimized for um, this host device. You're controlling your host device but then has onboard capabilities using humanware's accessibility suite called Keysoft Lite, um, which is which is obviously unique because it, um, it's a more of a simple UX. Um, not many users can use a screen reader today, and it's very hard work at times. Don't get me wrong, it's a very important skill to know, but at younger ages, it's, it's also important to, to learn what is essential. And that is, of course, the curriculum, rather than having to, having to learn all these steps and shortcuts for uh, JAWS navigations and screen reader navigations. Maybe the, the way to go with the Mantis, the way to think about the Mantis is that this is a device which can connect to anything. And that's the great thing about this. It can connect to anything. And I believe the Orbit can too, but that's, again, a different product. So there is a, a difference here between the two, but also an important difference when it comes to the usage. And is that more important perhaps in education as opposed to having that fully fledged Windows system? I mean, it, let's even think about it from the point of resources, schools buying products in. Buying a Braille display and using already existing hardware that's in the school is probably preferable to spending a fortune on a single device that they may need to upgrade every few years. Yeah, I mean, you have a point, Stephen. We do have our own note takers, of course. We have the the Braille Note Touch Plus note taker, which is you know we we say is suited in the education market um, purely because it has STEM uh, STEM kind of productivity. So you have math capabilities. Um, now, with the Windows environment, with with a device uh, such as the Mantis working with a Windows computer. Again, there are some limitations there that you need to be aware of. So for math capabilities, it's it's not possible to do UEB Braille, for example. Now, JAWS does have the screen reader capabilities of Nemeth, but when we look in the UK markets, or even in the US market now that are transitioning from Nemeth to UEB, that's not possible. So we for the note takers, it, it, it's really key because the note takers give you a better experience in education. It's kind of all in one device. 
and that's purely only available on the the, the Android Note Taker experience. You know, with Keysoft. So when you look at note takers, if you're comparing the, the QWERTY note taker that's coming from Orbit and our own note taker, there is a huge difference there. Because again, with the QWERTY one, you have to learn shortcuts. You have to be confident at learning a screen or knowing how to use a screen reader. Whereas the Brown Note Touch is a more simple approach. Uh, we, we know that it's a key for users to, to learn the curriculum first and then learn the product second. And it becomes a natural um, learning path when you're using the brown note with shortcuts understanding how to shortcuts how to do this and how to do that with with the screen readers it's it becomes very difficult and tvis find that also very difficult as well and we know tvis don't have as much time in the day as they would love to you know that's again another factor that we need to consider so there's the big difference there so i see the the device that browse uh, the orbits are doing is more for the professional market so if you're competent at a screen reader then that could be a good choice for you but for braille displays then of course yeah the mantis or or one of our bix series displays is is ideal or for the note taker the you know the brown note touch is is catered for yeah the the stem environment and you mentioned you're a csun i'm just intrigued by one more thing for the ph product that everyone seemed to be talking about over there which was the monarch which is this yep. tactile graphics display. Now, is that something you guys are working on with APH on? Sure. So, yeah, let me let me kind of um, clarify that. This is an APH and Humanware product. Uh, so this product is a joint effort from Humanware and American Printing House. Um, we also have the National Federation for the Blind involved. So they are the advocates of this device. And we're, we're utilizing the, the NFB for bell testing. So of course this is a product for the for the blind. So of course we need to have some testers, and and they believe in this product as well. Um, so this is a great a great product that we work on. I'm really excited, and you're right. This really stole the show at uh, at CSUN. We were really overwhelmed with the feedback that was received. So what the Monarch is? It's a dynamic tactile device that has the capabilities of displaying Braille and tactile graphics on one display. So there's no longer the need of all these different devices. Uh, and I'm sure many of you listeners out there that have been in, in, in the education world of where are my graphics? Where are, where's my textbooks? They're late, right? Amount of times that we hear this, that it's very late for them to arrive. And by the time they arrive, the subjects moved on, you know, that the teachers now moved on to a different lesson. And therefore that, that student is left not knowing what was, uh, what they should have known. So, this is the main reason why we're building the, the Monarch is because we want to get textbooks in the hands of students quicker, efficiently, not having to wait for the production. Um, and of course, tactile graphics, this would allow them to see more tactile graphics exposed to more images. Whereas um, previously, it's it, this is a tactile graphic that we've just created quickly. Here you go. And it just gets thrown away and never gets used. So having this device would allow you to easily download images. So we'll have access to libraries like the APH's tactile library, and you'll be able to search for any tactile graphic that you want and have that on your device instantly. And for textbooks, the idea is that the publisher would create the book or the, tran the Braille transcriber would create it with a push of the button, they'll send it to the device straight away, maybe by chapter by chapter, but at least it's in the hands of that student instantly rather than having to wait several months down the line um, and we've had some yeah tremendous feedback on this steve i just cannot imagine how capable 
children will be. We won't really know the true answer to this for a few years, but how capable blind children will be leaving school as a result of all of this. But of course, the challenge always goes back to money. And it goes back to the realities that a school may only be able to afford to have one of these, right? And if one at all. And that that's another challenge, of course, because it's not about... It used to be we talked about the cost of the equipment itself. And we'd say, you know, humanware, why does your Braille display cost so much? Or whatever it was. Yeah. But actually, there's a bigger problem now, which is the world economy and the state the world is in. And, you know, every TVI probably wants to have this in front of them for their child in school to use. But that's a challenge. How do you get around that? Is there, is there any solution to that? Is that is that just an ongoing reality? It, it is an ongoing reality and a battle. Um, but what I can say, and this is the angle we're trying to approach, is um, you know, when we look at metrics on the publishing of Braille books, it's far more expensive to produce Braille now, as it is today, to translate them all and emboss them, bind them and send them out. It costs a lot of money. And just to give you an example here, Steve, the al- there's an algebra book that is available from APH. costs $30,000 to produce one of those books. That's an expensive book. So yes, the technology that we're, we're bringing out is, is expensive, but we believe you, your investment uh, will be returned within that year easily because that's just one book we're talking about. Um, so there's two parts of these, this technology. It's, of course, having access, having equal access to someone who's blind having equal access to someone who's sighted, right? They should have the same uh, resources available to them at the right time. The second piece is the cost. So from the government point of view, it does cost government funding and councils a lot of money to produce all these textbooks. So this is our argument. This is what we're trying to get across. And we are looking at various different organizations that could really help to subsidize some of this cost. Um, you know that. So if there's any one of your listeners out there that would be really interested in in looking into what the monarch is capable of and, and thinking of doing a, a good thing because this, this product should be in the hands of every blind child. And that is, of course, what's happening in America. You know, they are looking at extending the government funding. And uh, you know, this is something that we'd love to do in the UK. We'd love to reach out to people uh, and organizations to really help us get this product in the hands of, of blind students because it is needed. And we know today that there's still issues around the receiving of tactile graphics and textbooks, which shouldn't be the case in this 21st century, right? Uh, people should have the equal access. And yes, there's, this, there's technologies like the note takers and braille displays, which can only do so much. But when it comes to your textbooks, wanting all those textbooks and of course textbooks, there's nothing out there that is available until, of course, the Monarch becomes available. And with the Monarch, uh, I forgot to mention, Steve, it is a multi, multi-line device as well. So we can display 10 lines of Braille with 32 characters. Uh, so this is really going to open up doors for sure. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm excited about it. We're currently in a beta stage and we are looking at organizations to, um, to get some devices to, to, to do some kind of s- small studies, I, I guess, you know, put them in the hands of children, get some testing. Uh, and so far, it, it's looking really promising. It doesn't feel like Braille is dead, does it? Well, there's a lot of people out there that do say that, right? Um, and so I guess there hasn't been much change as well. When we look at innovation, 
in the Braille world, there's not really been a lot of change. You know, oh, it's a sit never line, single line display. It's got some internal capability functionalities. What's an ever note taker? So, you know, there's not been some great innovation there. And so this here the, with a Monarch certainly is innovative. Um, this really is that next milestone. When we look at the future of Brow, I do believe that it's more going in towards the multi-line approach and tactile approach, which is where the Monarch will fit in. Um, there'll still be single lines, of course, because you know you do have to cater for the cost. We do know that this products and these products are expensive, but each product serves a different need. Um, so we need to make sure that we can fight all those different needs, make sure that those barriers are, are tackled for. We don't like to build tech for the sake of things. We need to make sure that we're building technology to remove those barriers that are, that are being faced. Andrew, you always provide such fascinating perspective on all of this. And I think that's what, what I take from this today. Thank you so much for coming on to Double Tap. Thank you for letting me join you, Steve. And there you go. That was Andrew Flatres there talking to us all about the Designed for Surface certification from Microsoft, what that means, and a really interesting conversation about Braille, the future of Braille, and where devices fit. You know, it seems there's so many devices out there now, so many options available for different ages, for different skill sets. It's a really interesting time for Braille. So is it dead? I think the answer is no. But uh, technology is definitely keeping it alive. That is uh, no doubt at all. Very interesting conversation. Uh, keep your feedback coming as you do. I'll be interested to hear your thoughts on this and all the topics we discuss here on the show. Feedback at doubletaponair.com. You can also call us one 4567 Leave us a voicemail and find us across social media at Double Tap on Air. Sean and I back with you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Love Double Tap? Did you know we're on the TV too? Check out brand new episodes of Double Tap TV on AMI-TV every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern. Or binge on all episodes online at ami.ca forward slash Double Tap. We're also on YouTube. Search for Double Tap to catch our episodes there too. Hi, I'm Ramia Amuthan. Join me weekly for AMI Audiobook Review, the podcast that explores new titles, introduces us to famous narrators, and updates what's hot at the Center for Equitable Library Access. Download episodes of AMI Audiobook Review from your favorite podcast provider.